Hey, Cracked fans, before we get back to today's episode, I just want to let all of you listeners know that all of the content we produce here at CR is made possible due to the support we get from our friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment in the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, folks. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. And in a twist of poetic justice, I think our friends at Manscaped know the grass court season is upon us here in the tennis world. In honor of that grass court season, they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most sensitive region of their body with this exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free world Worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. That's right. They let us stick with the tennis theme. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. And look, a little personal testimonial. I think anyone who's met me in two seconds will be like, eyebrows, thick, legs, very hairy. Guess what? It looks that way everywhere, folks. And I can tell you firsthand, Manscaped gets the job done. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com and make shaving time your favorite time. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have officially hit the medal rounds of the 2020 Summer Olympic Games, a fantastic event coming down the home stretch as Novak Djokovic looking to keep his case alive to join Steffi Graf as the only two players in tennis history to capture all four singles Grand Slams and a gold medal in the same calendar year, of course, for Novak Djokovic. That gold medal in singles, the one elusive title he has yet to capture in his career, of course, on the women's side, as always, upsets the story of the 2020 Summer Olympic Games. You look at the final we have on our hands. If I would have told you Belinda Bencic would have made the final, you'd have said maybe. If I would have told you Marketa Vondrusova was going to make the final, you'd have said maybe. If I would have told you our final was going to be Bencic versus Vondrusova, you'd have been like, Alex, you're getting too excited. That's one of your more wild takes, but in fact, that is indeed the final we see on our hands. Marketa Vandrusova would become the lowest-ranked player in Olympic history to win the women's singles gold medal. Of course, Belinda Bencic still alive. She can join Serena Williams in 2012, Venus Williams in 2000 as the only players in the modern era of the Olympic Games to win both a singles and doubles gold medal in the same season. All of that coming down the home stretch. 
plus a little Casper Ruud talk because Casper Ruud's got himself an opportunity to make some history this week as well. He would join Andy Murray in 2016 and then Novak Djokovic twice, Andy Murray and Roger Federer once in the 2011 season as the only players in the past decade to win tournaments in three consecutive weeks. That's a lot of history to keep an eye on in one weekend of tennis. But of course, we know you Cracked Rackets fans are ready to do just that. And of course, on this podcast, we want to talk about all of those things, make all of that content a little bit easier for you to absorb. And joining me on today's podcast to do just that, as he so frequently does here on our Crack Racket shows. You know him as one of the, I will say, the hottest rising coach in the college ranks, the only undefeated coach in Missouri high school tennis history, a former Denizen tennis star, my friend James Foster McDonald. Jamie, hey, great shot as always. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? A little sweaty, a little hot. It's a little hot out here in the uh, in the Midwest, as you know. So uh, keeping it cool, being on the being on the podcast, watching some tennis highlights, much better. Uh, at least it feels much better than uh, a nice deep afternoon on the courts because man, it is steamy out there. Yeah, I can only imagine. There's this misnomer that, oh, if you're from the Midwest, you're soft. You don't know the heat of Florida. You don't know the heat of California. Let me just say, until you've dealt with a sweaty July day in the Midwest where the humidity is through the roof and it rains for 30 minutes, but then the courts are dry 10 minutes later. I know that's every day in Florida, but let me just say, we deal with the heat. In the Midwest, right? Like, I feel like, especially in the summer, and Missouri summer, I would argue Missouri is the South. I would argue Kansas City, regardless of what side you live on, is the South. But, I mean, it's brutal conditions. Yeah, hit 100 today. Heat index was over 110. Humidity 50%. It was, it's bad. It's bad. It's There's no other way to put it. But, anyway, glad we're inside talking on the phone as opposed to out on the court at the moment. <laughs> No, the good news is, uh, first of all, your boy Carson Gates looked very fit at our ITA event this past He's in good uh, shape. Yeah, that is his calling card. And watching him play Nick Meister, who it was a grind, and it was like 95 degrees out, 4 p.m., and I was like, these guys are incredible. You forget just the casual excellence of some of these college tennis players where you're like, oh, man, this is still super, super entertaining, and there are no pro points on the line. But no, of course, to your point, fun time to play tennis as well. You guys know if you need to go play some tennis right now, our friends at Turner Grip have you covered. They'll ensure the racket's not flying out of your hands. That happened to be for the first time when I hit a couple of weeks ago. It happens once a summer where you're just super sweaty, you lose control of the grip, flies out of your hands, you're going to feel like a fool. You can avoid that with our friends at Turna Tennis, of course. Their grip, the tackiest in the business, the only that gets tackier when you sweat its performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched. Of course, if you'd like to join the Turna Tennis family today, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You mentioned we here at Crack Racket sent you. They'll hook you up with discounted college pricing, hook you up with some free samples as well, treat you like family, which is all we can ask. And of course, we are so grateful for their support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner family today. 
With all of that said, let's get into today's show. And of course, where we're going to start is with the Olympic Games. And before we get into, you know, any specifics, here's where we're at with the women's singles, men's singles. I even want to chat a little doubles on this podcast today as well. Curious what your viewing habits have been for these Olympics, Jamie, because it sucks to have to talk about, but I think we have to do it. I totally understand why Novak Djokovic, the players there, are trying to fight for either an earlier or a later start, just trying to get out of the crazy heat in Tokyo. We just did the opening two minutes on how brutal it is, and if you've watched the tennis, I've never seen two individuals more miserable playing a round of 16 Olympic match than Fabio Fonini and Daniil Medvedev were a couple of days ago, where they were just like, get me off this court. This is horrible, horrible tennis, but, you know, again— uh, the the point being, you get that decision, already a big time difference here in the United States between us and Tokyo, so it's difficult to watch these matches that are late at night here on the East Coast. Now they're even later. How much have you been able to watch? It's not like the Olympics will let anything be shown as YouTube highlights, so it's really watch the match, find a highlight on, what's it called, Peacock or whatever it's called, whatever miscellaneous bird it is. Um, but I'm curious how much you've actually been able to see. Well, it's funny. So I, it took me a while, and I don't know if they changed the way they were streaming from the beginning because I swear I looked and couldn't find anything. And then uh, it was two nights ago. I found the bank that has every single match, full replay, every live stream of every court. Um, and so it's been pretty easy to catch up on all of that. Um, now, if I just happen to be up and awake, sure, I'll watch it live. Outside of that, it's been more difficult, and so I'll have to go and watch a replay of a specific match. But they've got them all on there. Um, so if you ever need that link, let me know. Cause it's got it all. That's what I like to hear. Yes. Please send me that. Honestly, we might want to just tweet that link out. Yeah. Just so people know. It's, uh, and anybody listening who didn't, who doesn't, or didn't see the tweet, it's NBCOlympics.com slash schedule slash sports slash tennis. It's got them all. All so. free. Yeah. yeah With an just... Xfinity or whatever. No, no. I think it, I think it lives separate of Peacock, but I can just scroll uh-huh. back and watch all of these. That's what um, I like to hear. All right. Well, good news. If you've missed anything moving forward, you don't have to miss anything the rest of the way. But of course, again, when you look at the quality of these Olympics, and in particular women's, so many upsets, we're used to that. It does feel like with Bench, she's played certainly very, very well at this event, Von Drusova, really since that Osaka match. She's played some outstanding tennis on the men's side. It's familiar faces. It's Djokovic. It's, you know, Zverev. It's, of course, Pablo Carino Busta who's, I would argue, the best of that lost generation right now. You know, forget Rayanich Gofen. He's sort of been the guy that's last. And then, of course, your final uh, semifinalist, Karen Hachanov, who is in the final Kachanov. We haven't gotten to say that in a while, Kachanov, uh, who seems to make the semi, or, you know, the deep in every big event. I think it's been a pretty good quality, despite the brutal conditions. Yeah, they've made the best of it. I think, you know, the the big surprise there, just not because of the player's caliber, but rather the draw and how it broke is, is Karina Busta getting through against Medvedev. Um, and, and we can talk a little bit more specifically about that one, just because you expect, you know, hardcore, these sort of conditions where you got to grind matches out, you, you expect Daniel Medvedev to, to come through that. But uh, yeah, I mean, remember, what was it? US Open 2020, where Karina Busta uh, made that deep run. And, you know, he's no stranger to these sort of conditions and having to to fight out brutal matches so no it, it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch i mean disappointed in a couple of the matches i mean Djokovic just absolutely steamrolled Nishkori. that wasn't even a match from the start so a uh, little tough there but uh, other than that no it, it, it's been really good and i think this is a fun one because it 
sort of makes people pay attention to doubles more than they would normally because mm-hmm. there's just more on the line which is awesome for us right like, you know, we, we we love tennis in pretty much all forms um and so being able to see that and see some singles players i mean i saw the mat the the dodig and chillich playing together i was like oh that team's going far uh, i mean dodig an <laughs> unreal uh, veteran of dubs chillich has been in a little bit better rhythm so no it, it's really fun to just be able to see all this and, and see it play out and, and like you mentioned at the top We've got some players alive to do the special, uh, you know, medal in both doubles and singles. And so that's really cool to give see these opportunities for players out there. The draw has certainly opened up, but can we agree the most impressive feat this season is if Djokovic and Stojanovic win the gold medal in mixed doubles? Like, Novak Djokovic is objectively, like, he's fine at doubles. I mean, he makes every return, and, like, he has good hands, but I don't think he's particularly aggressive in the way you'd expect at the net. Now, of course, here comes Jamie. I hit bump lops exclusively in doubles McDonald to give me the reverse take, but, like, I'm stunned. I mean— Melo Stefani, like Marcelo Melo has been a top 20 guy in doubles forever. Luisa Stefani of late, her and Haley Carter had so much success. She's a top 20 player right now in the women's doubles game as well. And like it was three and four for Djokovic and Stojanovic. And then, you know, Sigmund Kravitz, that's on the easier side in terms of draws. They've got Vesnina and Karatsev left. And I think that's their toughest test to date. But like, I, I think the other side's, by the way, more impressive. You've got Pavlichenkova, Rublev versus Barty and Piers. Those are two very, very good teams. Uh, but, like, if Djokovic and Stojanovic pull this off, I think that might be the most stunning result of the Olympics. Well, it's one of those things, Djokovic. Yeah, a classic doubles player, maybe not. But, A, the guy goes out there and wins. B, he's, he's going to be comfortable. And he can, he can turn matches into these isolated little rallies that he's comfortable with right you know hey you give Djokovic a target to hit into he's gonna hit that you know it's just so it's really difficult for anybody to be able to play against him obviously most comfortable when he can stretch everything out on the singles court but doubles is the same way and yeah the guy just keeps winning so we'll we'll see how that breaks out but again this is where it's a little bit more of a fun dynamic in doubles because you do have all these singles players in there mixing up the rhythm making these matches look a little funny you know the matchups aren't as straight up uh as they normally are as what these doubles veterans are used to so it's just it's a different dynamic different rhythm and and it's fun it's fun to watch and it's also fun to follow these people uh, as they make deep runs and try and get through the medal rounds Mm-hmm. And again, I want to chat about all of the events we see at the Olympics uh, on today's show, but let's start with the men's singles event, and it's worth starting, I suppose, with Novak Djokovic, who, as I mentioned at the top, pursuing history. It's the only thing, the only big title he's yet to capture in his career. He's become, by the way, the first man in history, or I suppose since the Olympics returned to, uh, tennis returned to the Olympics uh, in 1988 to reach three semifinals at three different Olympic Games. Of course, you one would think in 2016 he would have made that run, but he did not in 2016. That's when he lost the first round to Juan Martin Del Potro. Nevertheless, you look for Djokovic, his route to the semifinals. I mean, he's cruised. Two and two over Delian, four and three over Struff, three and one over Davidovich Vokina, two and zero oh last night, giving Kane Ishikori the bagel. Is there any reason to think Djokovic isn't just? Uh, it's it's a matter of when, not if that gold medal's put around his neck and we hear the Serbian national anthem. Yeah, I mean he's going to be a heavy favorite the rest of this way. I mean I think you know if you're Hatchinov or Karina Busta, obviously you're Team Zverev for this next match because. You know, you look at the matchup and you're like, hey, if there's anybody who could give him a bit of trouble, it is Zverev, I guess, in this sort of 
situation. But, I mean, no, they got to be feeling terrible, the fact that, that Djokovic has just cruised. And, yeah, Zverev absolutely pummeled Chardy in this last match. So pretty similar in the sense that both of these guys are feeling comfortable on the court. But it's just it's just reached another level with Novak Djokovic. I mean, Nishikori defending bronze medalist, right? Like, <laughs> and just <laughs> made such quick work of him. And so, yeah, it's just – it's tough, man. But, yeah, Novak Djokovic looking very, very sharp at this point. You know he's yet to lose a hard court match this year? Like, I know he's done so many impressive things, and let's be clear, he's 34-3 and three overall. Like, he's lost three total matches, but he won Australia. Like, he—I guess that's the only hardcore event he's played, and that was this. Um, I mean, it's just, like, silly. It really is silly. Just Djokovic, he reaches this plane where—and he's serving so well now, and you look at the numbers for him this year uh, in terms of his hold percentage and just the success that he has had. I mean, is it the best number of his career? No, but you look for Novak Djokovic. He's holding serve 87.2% of the time. That's a percent and a half above his career average. He's winning 75.7% of his first serve points. That's 2% above his career average. He's uh, winning 68.6% of his serve points in general. That's a percent above his career average. Of course, he's still breaking serve at the second highest rate of his career, trailing only 2011. Like, yeah, it's a joke. He's 34. It would be one thing because, you know, I, I was doing this, the, looking up the history for that Casper Ruud stat that I mentioned at the top. Casper Ruud has a chance to be the first guy since Andy Murray since 2016 to win three consecutive events on the calendar. And, you know, you look at this entire decade. Yes, Nadal has won three non-consecutive events. But to be the best player at three different events over the course of three weeks, that's really difficult to do. And, you know, Murray did it in 2016 he did it again in 2011 so did Federer Djokovic did it twice in that 2011 season that 2011 season Jamie was a decade ago he was 24 a decade ago and he's and it's just like 2-0 and over Nishikori killed him killed him like and it, and it still feels like he's got another gear to hit to now I do think Alex Virev and I've said this before, I'll continue to die on this horse, is the toughest test to Novak Djokovic out there right now because it's the two-part component. He's got the physicality, not to match Djokovic, but as close as any mortal can come to matching Djokovic. He's also six foot six and can hit bombs for first serves. Uh, you know, he's cruised to this semifinal as well. And I just think you go back to that Australian Open match. He was up set, uh, breaks in sets three and four. And yes, Djokovic won that match in four, but I actually think Zverev was the closest to beating him and Zverev's beaten him on a hard court before. But like, it's a joke. It's a joke how uh, – it's joke of Djokovic. Hey, great shot. But it's just silly how good he is. Yeah, and, and I I mean I'll, I'll spend a minute here talking about that matchup between Djokovic and Zverev. Yes, Zverev has that serve. Um, I think the other big component of it too is, yes, Djokovic has been very effective on his serve. Zverev not going to be scared of that Djokovic serve at all, right? He's going to be able to get his racket on pretty much every return. He's got the wingspan for it. He's very comfortable on both wings returning, at least on a hard court, it seems, especially when it's not being bombed at him because Djokovic is going to serve him off the court. So I think, you know, Zverev is going to be able to frustrate Djokovic by just getting so many deep returns in play. And yeah, obviously from a neutral setting, Djokovic, the best there's ever been on a hard court. Like, that's just how it is. But if Zverev is able to take cracks to the return over and over and over, and he's if he's executing on that, like, that's going to piss Djokovic off. So I think 
Zverev has has to have a little confidence in himself on those return games. Now, this is where the problem is. If that serve falls apart, it's a lot harder to be loose and free in the return games, right? And so that's why in so many matches that we see with Alex Zverev, it starts with that serve. So if he's serving well, that frees him up, loosens him up a bit, gives himself a good edge in the return games, I'd say, to maybe steal a break here and there. But yeah, obviously Djokovic enters a heavy favorite regardless. Played eight times in their career, Djokovic six and two overall. However, again, they've played three times in the last fifty-two weeks. Djokovic beat Zverev three and six in the tour finals round robin. They played at ATP Cup six seven six two seven five win for Djokovic. They played at the Australian Open, as I mentioned, six seven six two six four seven six win for Djokovic. Zverev was up breaks in sets three and four. Zverev beat Djokovic four and three at the tour finals twenty eighteen. He's also beaten him on clay, but we'll throw that. That result out for now. I mean, yeah, to your point, you look for Alex Virev. In his career against Novak Djokovic, he's won 73% of his first serves, uh, first serve points. That's phenomenal. Like that, uh, against Novak Djokovic, that, that's a number you need to hit. And, you know, obviously the second serve number dips significantly. He's at 45.7%. But if Zverev, who in his career has made 66% of his first serves against Djokovic, if he can match those clips, it's going to be a tight match because Zverev can hold serve. He does have the ability to create free points. He is, I don't want to say he plays them evenly, but like backhand to backhand rallies, Djokovic versus Zverev, everyone, that's the one time everyone's winning with Alex Zverev because like that will be enjoyable to watch. There's no denying that. I also just think he plays with freedom against Djokovic. It's the one time he's able to be like, you know what? If I lose, it's okay because it's Djokovic and a, and a non-struggling zero. Of course, the moment he gets the lead, that's when we see the shakes start to come. But those opening 30 minutes when everything's even, zero plays his best tennis then against Djokovic. And so I do think this match has the opportunity to be fun. And you do just wonder, again, we're in the medal rounds now. Djokovic is made of Teflon. It's not like he actually feels pressure anymore. But it's worth noting it is the medal rounds, and there is an extraordinary amount of pressure on Novak Djokovic's shoulders. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's looking at him, not only just in the context of this match specifically, but what everything, you know, how he's been in the lead up to this, the storyline of this Golden Slam opportunity. So, yeah, 100% the pressure is on him, and, and no, that, that sort of pressure just generally isn't new to him. Um, it's something he's been dealing with for, for his whole career, but... It's interesting at this point, too, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, once they extend past this round in the final only, are they still going best of five? I believe so. Yeah, I and so that, you know, that adds another wrinkle of this, too, because even if you know someone is, whoever it is, Hachinov or Karina Busta, who advances to the final to play, likely Novak Djokovic, I mean, talk about adding even more to a really tall task. It's, okay, yeah, not only do you have to play two good sets, beat him straight up, yeah. you got to win three out of five. And, you know, yeah. it, that's just that ask much harder Stefano to do. Yeah, ask Stefano Tsitsipas how difficult that is. And that's a really good point. This is the gold medal match. Like, with all due respect to Karino Busa, with all due respect to Karen Kachnov, who I don't know if anyone's driven the Hachinov bandwagon, you know, harder than we have since our foundation of this podcast, but, like, this is the guy. Djokovic is a prohibitive favorite over both Karino Busta and Hachinov should he make the gold medal match. And I do think he is going to make it, but certainly this is the test, right, of all of the matches he's played. Yes, Kei Nishikori was playing well, but it's still 2021 Kei Nishikori and, like, Delian, yeah. Struve, whatever, Davidovich, Fokina, respectfully. 
Like, this is the guy, at least in this matchup, we can go and saying, well, I know Alex Virov has the goods to take one set from Novak Djokovic. And in the semifinals, he only needs two. Exactly. I think that makes it a little bit more dangerous for Djokovic is because Zverev exactly. doesn't have to beat him best of five here. Now, yeah, if this was flipped, you know, even harder for Zverev. But yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be a tight contest, I think. I, I mean, I at least I, I hope so. I expect it to be. You know, I don't expect it to be like a roll that we saw in either of their previous matches. So Djokovic against Nishikori or Zverev versus Chardy, where they both just completely you know, curve stomp their opponents. I don't think it's going to be like that. Uh, we certainly hope not, you know, if, if we get the chance to view it, because that's no fun for anybody. But yeah, the other side of it is interesting. And yeah, obviously a really good opportunity for Hachinov or Karina Busta, regardless, to get a guaranteed medal by winning that next match. Ugh, the match is 3.20 a.m. Eastern time, 2.20 uh, Central, where you are. Are you staying up? Mm, that's I might hit. If I if I'm awake, if I happen to like wake up in the middle of the night, I will certainly check it. That's that's outside of that, I don't know about that. Uh, I may have to. I may just have to stay. Well, see, it'll be a game time decision. Well, you know me. I'm up at that time usually. Well, yeah. As we, yeah. So that's like my strike zone. Um, I got to be up for the Tokyo markets. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I give me your pick. Who you got? Djokovic Zverev yeah I mean you got to take Djokovic at this point I think you're silly if you're not I'd love you know I'd love to see that be a battle maybe Zverev can do it but no Djokovic has to be the favorite there um and then from the other side oh god it, to me it's just such a pick I'm Karina Busta it was really impressive to stay in that form against Medvedev I I thought Medvedev was going to come back and win that he was up the break in that second set looked like he was turning the tide around and was going to take it to the third and have that momentum just didn't happen. Karina Busta, you know, got the break back and just impressive mentally from Karina Busta. So at this point, I might have to give him a slight edge, although Hashinov was impressive in the win over Umber. For Karina Busta to take out Daniil Medvedev in straights, I feel like he's deserved the right to at least be called the favorite against Karen Hashinov. Yeah, here's what I'll say, and I know you, you switched the gears there, and I want to talk about the bottom half of the draw momentarily as well, but just so you know, I have our friends at DraftKings in front of us, and we'll call him Galax Aruskin. Uh, he may have a unit or two on Djokovic at minus 150 to win this Olympics, and the fact that Djokovic was minus 150 entering the event, minus 150 against the entire field, Mwah. thank you, DraftKings gods. Um my the what I, the point I bring that up. If you're gonna hedge that bet, you probably do it at this one, right? Because Djokovic is minus five seventy five to Zverev's plus four twenty five. Yeah. Like, yeah, this would be the. You hedge, the yeah, way. I think you hedge here. Yeah, this and is the place do, where if, you maybe you do a tiny one at the end if he gets through. If yeah. it's if it still makes sense based on however many units you had for it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You want to guess that Karina Busta hatching offline. Karina Busta minus 130 to win. Good. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, great shot to you. 145, but yeah. that was pretty good. What's Hatchinov as the dog? Uh, so, I mean, I guess plus, like, if you said that, plus, like, what, 115, 110? 125, yeah, yeah exactly. Somewhere and in there. So, yeah, I would go Hatchinov. I mean, to be honest, you really? look for – so here's the case. You look for Hatchinov, and he has played some physical matches. And by the way, so – do I call him out? Do I call someone out if I want to – because I did a whole tweet. If you're going to call someone out, don't do a straw man argument. But I like him very much. All right, I'll just say it. Vanch, my friend, 
friend here at Cracked Rackets tweeted out, you know, uh, about this match. Oh, Daniil Medvedev, he just struggles with guys who hit the ball low and flat, and Karina Busta got to him today. And, like, I think this was just a schedule loss. Like, I just think he was broken physically after that Fonini match. And it's like, yeah, he was too tentative. You would have loved to see him move forward more particularly given how he was physically entering the match. But, like, to extrapolate anything beyond this being a schedule loss, that's what I thought of the Medvedev loss to uh, to Karina Busto. I suppose we'll get to back to Hatchinov in a second. Apologies for the tangent. But, like, I know he loses this match to Karina Busta and certainly – U.S. Open, it's a match he's going to have to win if he wants to get back to the final. And you imagine with a day off, we see a different Daniil Medvedev performance in this one. I'm not making excuses. I'm simply stating a fact. He was wiped from that uh, round of 16 match. And, like, yes, he loses this one. But all I, I don't take anything away from this other than he was gassed. Yeah, and, you know, I think that match against Fognini was draining both mentally and physically. Um, and so he took the court, and I think that's why you saw that slower start as well. Karina was able to pounce, and good for him. I, I think really the only surprise for me is that Medvedev started to turn around and then wasn't able to sort of close out on that, right? That, that to me, yeah. was the surprise. The, the, the fact that Karina Busta came out and won the first six, too, and had he won the second really convincingly, I would totally agree with with no asterisk by it and say yes i i feel you scheduled loss he was gassed but the fact that he started to turn around got the break and then wasn't able to capitalize and that set and roll on with momentum that that's where it's a little surprising to me yeah so the counter take to that is just like that's where the i would argue it's just as impressive that he was able to find anything left in the tank and sure. then it just yeah, kind of ran out he was that drained no i'm i'm, I'm with yeah. you I, I, yeah yeah and yeah and so again and by the way all of that said, credit to Karina Busta, who was playing at the exact same time the day before. Who It's not like his 6-3 and three win over Dominic Kopfer wasn't physical. And by the way, this is a really good result for Pablo Karina Busta, who you look right now in the live rankings, currently at number 11. Again, of that middle generation between the big three, big four, and the next-gen guys, excluding Dominic Team, you've got Karina Busta at 11, Schwartzman at 14. I suppose Bautista Gut was born in the 80s, so he doesn't count. Gofan at 20. Dimitrov, 21. Rayonich, 22. But if you watch his first match loss to Brandon Nakashima in Atlanta, you know he's still working his way back into form. Like, you know, then you get into Dan Evans at age 27. And, like, you know, beyond that, I suppose you get to the Dusan Lajeviches of the world at 44. Kratos Boost is the guy of that generation. I'm not saying he's going to win a Grand Slam, but like he is the guy who puts forward the competitive performances. And to see a representative of that group in the semifinals, and to see that representative also be Kratos Busta, doesn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, look, how many times have we go on that tangent about Kratos Busta on hard courts in general um, yeah. and what he can do? And so it's like. I don't know. It, it would be fun to see a Karina Vista Djokovic rematch. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the match that didn't get to get finished. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, think he asks for line judges? He's like, hey, I need you here. I need yeah, you standing right probably, here. Probably just try to agitate him. Uh, yeah, get him to exactly. rifle another one in the throat. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we in can the only warm wish. up, I'm just, yeah, in the warm up, I'm just working on my pegs. I'm just like warming that shot. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm just, yeah, I'm doing something weird. Um, no, I mean, 
I, I looked it up the other day. 55% win percentage for Karina Busta in his career in ATP level matches. 57% win on clay courts, and I believe six. I want to say he has nine finals. It might be ten, but six of his nine ATP finals have come on clay. He's got a 56% win percentage on hard courts. Like, it's a 1% difference, and his other three finals have come on hard courts. As you mentioned earlier, U.S. Open semifinals. Karina Boost is good on hard courts. Just such a tough out physically, and that forehand backswing's not big enough to where the slightly faster surface, he can't swing through it, and when he swings through it, it can hit through any court. And so, like, yeah, I agree with you. Karina Boost, real deal. He takes on Hetchinoff tomorrow, who's had two physical wins in his last two matches, wins over Schwartzman and win today over Ugo Bear. But, like, this is what Karen Hetchinoff does. He's the definition of your modern player, just physically, week in, week out. I mean, 6'6", 190-ish, 200-ish. And I think, was it you and I were texting the other days? Uh, who was I talking about this with? Oh, it was with... I won't say the person, but it wasn't with you. But we were listing the players. Well, because I don't want to say it. If it was you, I would say it out loud because we're talking about it, but it's not you. The point being, we had a discussion. How many ATP players are currently over 200 pounds? Let's do this tangent now. Westoff, give me some sort of tangent sound effect. So, Jamie, if I ask you right now, how many players inside the top 100 are over 200 pounds? Who are your nominees? Who would you say? I mean, who's in it? Yeah, no, who weighs over 200 pounds? Opelka, Anyone? Isner. Yeah, so, so Opelka, I don't know if Isner does. He's pretty, I know That's he's seven feet. Take. He's a thousand percent over 200 pounds. So I agree, Opelka, 240, that was my first thing as well. Uh, Isner, you're right. Isner, nowadays, he's definitely over 200. I think, Sam Queer, I think Sam Query is for sure over 200 pounds at this point. Yeah, he's got to be. Berrettini is listed at 193. That's interesting. Well, he's tricky because he was listed there. I mean, they, that listing weights when they come on. And then he gained yeah. a bunch of weight. And then, what was it, a year and a half ago or so, he cut a bunch of weight. So I would say he's hovering pretty close to that 200 line. But, I mean, he's big still. Like, it, I mean, he, he's a good big. I don't know. He's close. But he is, what, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? Like, he's, he's a big dude. Yeah. So I would, say, I would say he probably I, is. On Wikipedia, it now says he's 209. Yeah, I'd put so him I, there. I, because I think he was close to, I think he was like close to like two fifteen, two twenty, and they were like, all right, you got to cut some. So I would, yeah. I would put him like right at two hundred. Oh, Milos, duh. Milos Raonic, no. Kevin Anderson. Ooh, I mean, yeah, nowadays, early in his career, maybe not, because he was skinny. I mean, he's still skinny. Any of, dude, any of the tall guys. Yeah, I mean, sure, except for like Medvedev. Medvedev six six. I don't think he's over two hundred. Maybe not. I mean, he's he's Zverev. Zverev probably is. I think he's like one ninety. Nah, I know that's ten pounds, and you're like, how can you tell? But I can tell. Yeah, I mean, dude, any of those guys he's who are jacked. that tall, you just you just don't see it. I, mean, I don't know. You don't see it as much. Like their legs are so strong. I mean, dude, even Fuchovic, like Songa, was, is even a like tank. Songa, oh, Songa who was like six two, six three. He was two. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, but I don't think he's two. I mean, Prime Song, I agree, but I don't think he's in the top one hundred anymore. Uh, he's right on the outskirts. But um, no, I mean, oh, it's tight. I, so today on Tennis TV on YouTube, it's they more, did. It's a, more that, than you think because all these tall dudes carry a lot of weight. Strong. Fours, I don't know, but I think legs. They're they're bigger than you think. So Chilich over under two hundred. <sighs> I know. See, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, 
I think Fucevic gets over because his weight is in his legs, and I, I typically Chilich, that weighs more. I would say Chilich is just over. I'd put him like in between 200 and 205. I mean, we're talking like right on the line. Fucevic? I'd say just under. Yeah, he's so skinny up top. His legs are huge. So yeah. in the tennis TV clip, a lot of people nominated him as the potential strongest on tour. But I he's, thought he's Yannick not as Sinner, tall, though. Like Fucevic is probably yeah. like what? No, six, he one, is. Six, he's two? Like, no, he's six six. No, he's not. Martone, I promise you, Google at minimum it. six four. Yeah, at I'm minimum, six, six. it's going to be six two. Martone Fucevic, holy sh. Hockey's. I forgot that we're not live, so I almost stopped myself. No way, because I read it the other day. So this one is saying you're, I told you're you correct. Six two. He's not. He's no. not crazy. He's not like. He's not that six he's six a range big tall. Boy, I don't he's, know. He's, he's under two hundred. He's under two. Good as he looks big. Um, yeah, but he's six two. Yeah. Like those extra. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Regardless, the reason I bring this up, it's just – it's it's fascinating that anyone could play professional tennis at over 200 pounds. Like shout out to them. Not if Jan you're that Struf. tall. I mean that's, 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 that's pretty relative and scalable, but yes. Struff over 200? Yeah, he's got to be because Struff is what, 6'5", and he's a big boy? Yeah, yeah he's a big mother trucker. Diego Schwartzman? Uh, yes, 270. If you made Diego Schwartzman 200 pounds, first of all, I don't even know if his frame could take 200 pounds, but if you made him 200, what's he ranked? If you, like, had the Madden feature where you could go and boost your player stats, you obviously used that when you were younger. Of course. And you boost Schwartzman to 200 pounds, what what do you think he's ranked? I mean— Inside the top 100 still or no? No. Injured and under a week? Huh? Injured and under a week? (laughs) Probably off the court. He's walking somewhere. Yeah, no. It's— He's in trouble. He's not getting that. Over – all right. Who is the heaviest player in the top 100? Is it A, Riley Opelka, B, Sam Query, or C, Yuri Vesely? <laughs> Opelka. Yeah, it's got to be Opelka because he's big for a Opelka's size. Opelka's huge. Yeah, he's a big mama jama. Anyways, tangent aside, I do apologize for that. But I just think, again, that's it's a, it's a fascinating – I like – just imagine playing in those conditions over 200 pounds. That's why I bring it up because it's just so freaking brutal. Um, but anyways, Hatchinov, Karenobusta, you sort of gave your pick there. You're leaning PCB? Yeah, I think you have to at this point. He just looked that good, and, and that went over Medvedev, regardless of the fact that Daniil was pretty drained. Really impressive. Not to say that Hatch- Hatchinov's over Umbears wasn't. Um, over Umber, excuse me, wasn't in the previous round. But Karenobusta, I think at this point, you, you got to lean a little bit. Yeah, I, it's again. I'm fine to disagree with you here. I'm going to take Hatchinov. I just think this is a good matchup for him. I do. Again, it serves. It's forehands. It's making the match physical. I think it keeps things simple for Karen Hatchinov entering this one. Of course, you look in the career for Karina Busta for Hatchinov. Two guys who have certainly been in the mix uh, since that 2016-17 range. They've played five times in their career. Karina Busta a three and two head-to-head record, but Hatchinov two and one in their three matchups on hard courts they played uh at western and southern last year hatchinov beat him six and one so again should be a really really good match it's a toss-up and makes sense the odds are what they are it should be a fun ending to uh this men's singles competition at the 2020 summer olympics but you know what's always fun jamie talking about your manscaping habits with your friends or you know what maybe that's never fun for you maybe that's something you don't want to consider well rest assured we've thought about it here for you at cracked rackets and we can say unequivocally the best products in the business come from our friends at manscaped you 
that, look, you'll never have to talk about it again. You'll never have to think about it again. When that moment is right, when that moment arrives, you're going out on the town or you're doing whatever it is that you do, you don't have to be nervous about those things. You can get the best equipment in the business with our friends at Manscaped who, of course, offer the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They're precision-engineered tools specifically for your family uh, jewels are used by over 2 million men worldwide, and you can become the next person to use them with our exclusive offer. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. Again, that's NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And again, it's not something you want to have to think about. When the moment you're thinking about your manscaping habits, something has gone awry. So whenever that moment comes for you, make sure you are well-equipped. You have the things you need to have everything go successful. Man, you can hear me laughing as I'm saying this. I've had some uns- – oh, we're not going to get into that. You know what? We'll save that for the Patreon content. The point being, best in men's below-the-waist grooming. New balls, please, at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Jamie, you want to talk about my worst ha- uh, experiences involved? Involving manscaping or no you want to skip that and move on to the women's singles event yeah i'd really rather stick to tennis here sorry yeah, we can no it's look stick to sports alex that's what they're always telling me um but no i we can move on to the women's singles event at this 2020 summer olympic games you look now our final set as i mentioned belinda bencic who was 17 and 15 jamie in her last 52 weeks entering this event she knocks off jess pagula in round one doy army in round two krechikova round three pavlichenkova in the quarterfinals then a third consecutive three set win over big hitting elena rabakina to advance to the finals of course bencic still alive in women's doubles with Victoria Golubic. They'll play in the final match uh, as well in that event. Of course, now she takes on Marketa Van Drusseva, who certainly a 2019 French Open uh, finalist. This is her best result on a hard court. You look at her run to this championship. She knocks out Osaka in the round of 16 from there, gets the retirement victory over Paula Bedosa, then a straight set win yesterday, two and uh, three and one, excuse me, over Alina Svitolina. Again, Van Drusseva would be the lowest ranked player in uh, women's singles Olympic game history or since it returned in 88 to win the gold medal. Your thoughts on this matchup, how we got to this final? I mean, look, is it ever a surprise when we <laughs> see the big ones go out here? It's like, okay. And it's like, again, we had a, a taste of this last time with Monica Puig taking gold in Rio. And so it's like, okay, right? And um, it, it, it creates interesting storylines. I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought this one was going to be dominated by a couple of names who we talked about a lot. You know, Osaka with you know, having a lot of support behind her at this event in particular, Ash Barty, who looked so good coming off of Wimbledon uh, and both lose pretty early. Right. And so again, not only were there opportunities already for people to, to run through WTA draw, but especially when the giants at the bottom of the top of the draw come out like this and get upset, it's no surprise at this point. Um, You know, I think, the one thing, at least coming out of these last matches, is a little bit disappointing for someone like Svitolina, where you feel like this drop broke open and she had an opportunity. She did a good job of, of beating um, a couple of people who had had pretty good runs from the front, but she opened up the draw, looks good. And then to go out against Drusova 3-1, and one, it's just like, okay, well, that's... Unfortunately, that's what we've seen in latter stages of big tournaments from Alina Svitolina. And so... 
again, there's some there's some things when you look at the results and you say, yeah, not surprising in the context of one individual match, but yeah, overall, Benchich and Von Drusseva fighting it out. I, you wouldn't expect that, and I doubt anybody predicted that from the start. No, you look at Von Drusseva, who currently ranked number 42. She's 50th in overall at ELO, 56 in 2021 ELO. You look for Belinda Bencic, who has so many points to defend in this home stretch of the 2021 season. She's 53rd in 2021 ELO. Now her overall ELO a little bit higher than that right now. She's currently at number 35. But, you know, for both of these players, huge result for them. Heading into the summer hardcourt stretch, and again, for Belinda Bencic in particular, crazy to think, given she's been a part of our lives now. I mean, she was the best junior in the world when she was 15, 16 years old. She made, you know, deep runs inside the, the youngest player inside the top 100 and is inside the top 50 and inside the top 30 before she's 21 years old. Then there's a bunch of injuries, but, you know, she's been a part of our lives for so long. You forget the fact she's only 24 years old. And like Marketa von Drusova, if I told you, Jamie, there was a 22-year-old who had made a Grand Slam final, who's now going to get at least a silver medal, uh, you know, Grand Slam final at the French Open, and is now going to win at least a silver medal, medal on a hardcourt Olympic event, that player is only 22. On paper, we, we should be talking about that player way more frequently, and it feels like Marketa von Drusova has fallen to the back of the next-gen WTA conversation just because there are... So many names week in, week out that have emerged as talents and, you know, one of the takes I've been sharing frequently on the podcast over the past few weeks, which I know you haven't heard because God knows you hear enough of my voice, so you're not going to listen to it in your free time. Perhaps the top of the women's game, what it takes to be number one compared to the rest of the field, that standard isn't as high as it was in 2015, 2010, 2005, 2000, but what it takes to be player ranked number 30 or the player ranked number 50 or to be a top 75 WTA player week in, week out right now. That standard, in my opinion, is as high as it's ever been, and I think the runs made by Benchich and Van Drusova, of course, Pavlochenkova, Krachikova at the French Open, you can point to any different event, the fact that we've had double-digit amounts of first-time title winners in this 2021 season, I think that fact is proven out by the results we've seen this season. Yeah, I mean, look, you have so many people vying for so few spots. Um, and, and I think the thing that's very, very difficult, too, is it spans so many age groups, right? You have the next gens and people who have slid to the back burner of that conversation, even though they're still phenomenal players. I mean, like you said, look at Von Drusseva here. Um, look, it makes for some fun. I mean, you you overuse the word parody, I would say. So uh, we won't we won't use that. But no, look, it's fun to have this many players. <laughs> You know, in these draws, week in, week out, fighting for this. And truly, you know, you go into a tournament and you say, I don't know what to expect. I, I seriously have no idea. I will predict this to happen, um, and almost certainly it will not, right? And, and so it, it's kind of exciting to be able to watch these matches and see the draws unfold without huge, massive favorites getting very expected wins, right? It, it makes for something that's interesting and new, and I think it was obviously a surprise when Monica Puig won in 2016, and now whoever wins this, the story will still be, yeah, wow. I mean, obviously, they will have earned it through their wins. That's that's obviously how they got to the medal rounds in the first place, but it's still something unexpected it, when you zoom out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I mean, again... And there's a – I don't want to say a controversy because, again, what constitutes a controversy in tennis? Very arbitrary topic. But, um, you know, she – 
stole is the wrong word, but there's a rule, and via the rule, the ranking she could use, she was able to earn the final Olympic spot over Karolina Mukova, who's currently higher than Von Drusva in the WTA rankings. But, you know, again, Von Drusva, she earned, I mean, she's made the most of this opportunity to beat Osaka, to follow that up and, you know, withstand the conditions, take that first set from Bedosa, beat Svitolina as comfortably as she did. I love her variety, and certainly helps that these hard courts are playing so slow over in Tokyo, and, you know, the slower the court, the better the Von Drusova, but the variety she plays with, her ability to find angles, much like Sonia Kennan, she's in that outlier category, right? And so, I think when we look at this gold medal singles match, to have the power of Bencic, who is about as good of a ball striker as you're going to find, and she's got one speed, she's playing big, she's 50th of 50 players right now, Jamie, in return, in break percentage in the women's game, and that's because she goes big, and sometimes it lands, other times it doesn't, obviously 17 and 15 in her last 52, it hasn't of late, um, but she's clicked in this event, and she's going to have opportunities to play big against Van Drusva, and with that in mind, who's your gold medalist, who's your single uh, silver medalist, who do you got? <sighs> Give me Von Drusova to, to, to win it, Ben Schitz to take the silver, um, and then Rybakina to take bronze at this point. I mean, I, you would like to say Svitolina, the veteran there, but she had just had a very weak performance. Maybe she bounces back, but to me, Rybakina was right there with Ben Schitz. She wants it. I think she'll walk away with the bronze. This is good. We disagree on two things. I'm going Benchich. I just well, think— Of course you are. You've been talking about Benchich for years, and so now you have the yeah. one big tournament where she makes it, and you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> well, you knew oh, 2021, listeners of the podcast, I said this was the last year for Benchich. I said I needed a little bit more with how many good players there have been, and you're absolutely right. I'm giddy about it because you see it. Like, again, when it's bad, it's not pretty. It's a little – it's very much a one-speed sort of thing, and she's still not the most fluid athletes in the outer thirds, and a lot of that has been the injuries she's dealt with throughout the course of her career. But, like, when it's clicking, she hits through you, and I just think she's going to hit through Von Drusva, and I know she's played three three-set matches in a row, but – Bencic doesn't play the most physical style of tennis. She does. She's not playing 10, 15-shot rallies every point. Yes, Van Drusseva has had the easier path. She's the better rested player, but you've got the adrenaline of the gold medal match. Give me Benchich. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, enough said there. Yeah, you've, look, you've made your case. I I, I think Van Drusseva had again, similar to what I said with Karina Busta, I think at this point she's deserved to be the favorite um, given her form. Yes, she's had an interesting run, but look, she's come up with the big wins, and then she's taken advantage of the draw that she herself opened up, right? Um, and so now we get to this point, and Benchich, yeah, I think she's going to be a little more gassed. Von Drusova is going to be feeling more confident in her form moving into this with a 3-1 and one win over, instead of a 7-6-4-6-6-3 win. Those, to me, are, are quite different, so I, I, I think I think the Czech Republic gets the gold here. It's, no, it's a fair take to have, and I agree with you. I'll go Rabakina in the bronze medal match. She was my dark horse entering the event. She remains to see a medal from her entering again, which should be a very successful portion of the season, the summer hard courts. She's going to be everyone's, oh, you know who I'm taking to make the fourth round in the quarterfinals as my dark horse? Elena Rabakina. It's like, I like it's how not you a dark said, horse I like how you said everyone when you're clearly talking about one person. <laughs> I'm not talking about one person. 
I'm mean, talking about multiple people. Do okay. you want me to go on the list? How much time? We're already at the 50-minute mark. No, give me a minute. Steamroll ahead. I know you've got one more topic outside of the Olympic Games you wanted well, to talk I'm about. Well, I'm just saying that... Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying the straw man will be Elena Rabakina as a dark horse because it's like she's not a dark horse anymore. People know she's coming. That's fair. Um, yeah, but anyways, the point being, those are your women's singles results. You look at the other Olympic results we have thus far, just to quickly blitz through them. Men's doubles, as you mentioned, all Croatia final. Pavic and Metkic taking on Cilic and Dodig. Bronze medal match is going to be Krejcik and Sandgrind. And by the way, we won the we. Yeah, we can say we. We're both from the United States. We won the bronze medal 2016. It was Sock and Johnson on that note. So we've got to defend our bronze medal title in that match. Your thoughts on how the men's doubles is shooken out? Who you got? Yeah, again, sort of what I was talking to or talking about. God, how long ago was that in this conversation? Feels like uh, hours at this point. But no, look, <laughs> the doubles landscape is always really fun when you have different players who aren't necessarily what you would say week in, week out, the best doubles players. But, you know, they get to dedicate a lot of time to this, especially if they're out of the singles competition. Um, and, and it just makes for a really interesting environment. So to me, I mean, I mean, Chillage and Dodic. They're not going to go in the favorites here because Metch and Pavic play all the time together. They know each other. You know, they play on the tour together. They're so comfortable. But man, Chilich and Dodig are good. They're going to get so many free points off the Chilich serve. Dodig knows what he's doing. He knows how to direct things around that court. They've played together before. I mean, it's just it, that one is going to be a really, really good match. I think. Hopefully, the Americans can do it. I'll take. I'll take the Americans to defend our bronze title, but. Uh, bronze medal excuse me in the final uh, hmm, yeah you got to say pavich you got to give them the edge here i i I don't know if i'm actually going to watch that match i mean if it's on at a reasonable time and i'm able to see it i I certainly will catch as much of it as i can but uh, it's 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 gonna be tough that's gonna be a tough match all four of those players good dubs players really cool to see chillich earn you know master's title Grand Slam title, Olympic medal as well. Pretty sure that's a no-brainer Hall of Famer, right? Chilich is earned Gotta that to stay. Uh, he's, he is like the – he's like if you're better than him, you're for sure in. If you're worse than him, you're probably not in. He's, he's, he deserves to be in. Yeah, he's been so much in the past decade. But yeah, I mean, no, just again. horrible on-court swag. I mean, just terrible. But still deserves <laughs> to be in the Hall of Fame. Hey, all eyebrow team, baby. Don't yeah. uh, don't rip on. I'll always remember our first Cracked Rackets podcast was after the 2017 Wimbledon because I just remembered Chilich, obviously. Had a so tough coming time. to tears. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, point being, I agree with you that this is going to be a very fun match. I'll go the other way. I'll take Chilich and Dodik. I agree. Metkic, Pavic, certainly a little bit more fluid at this point. Guys who are in the grind week in, week out, but give me the power of Chilich and Dodig. I'll take Krejcik and Sandgren. Go college tennis, although college tennis getting a medal no, medal no matter what is Michael Venus was a star at LSU back in the day. That's your men's doubles where we're at on the women's side. As I mentioned, it's Bencic and Golubic taking on the number one doubles team, not only in this draw, but in the world. Uh, are they still number one in the world? I don't know. They have been, certainly, in Krejcikova and Sinyakova. In the bronze medal match, the aforementioned from earlier in the pod, Louisa Stefani, formerly of Pepperdine, her and Laura Pagassi taking on Kudermatova and Vesanina. So Vesanina's got the opportunity to get the double medal. Uh, you've also got, again, Bencic Golubic. 
Krejcikova, Sinyakova. Who you got, Jamie? Your thoughts on this action? These are four very exciting teams. Yeah, I, I tried to uh, I tried to pull it up for you real quick. So I'm not sure. I think Krejcikova and Sinyakova, I know they're number one in the sort of end-of-the-year race. Uh, in terms of actual people ranked in doubles, I think Elise Merton still retains the top spot, but yeah. Krajikova and Sinyakova are two and three. And yeah, I mean, look, the heavy favorites throughout this tournament. I think I think they go on to win the gold medal. They certainly deserve it at this point. Uh, but again, it's it's nice to see the fact that Benchich has it alive. To me, I think Benchich will end up with a couple of silver medals here, which, hey, not bad. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's just the way this one's going to break. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, I'm going to take Sinyakova and Krejcikova in this one as well, and I feel comfortable doing this. I also think Vesnina's getting a medal. I think this is for sure. I mean, let's look in the – is she in the final of the mix? No, she's in the semis with Karatsev. So I'm going to say this is where she for sure gets her medal. Her and Kudermatova, I just like the firepower and the doubles prowess of that team. I just Krejcikova and Sinyakova are a well-oiled machine. They're just they're professionals. They the, the comfort level has been clear throughout this uh, event. I'll take the two of them, but again, that should be a very high quality event. And then finally, as we talked about mixed doubles, it's Vesnina, Karatsev, Stoyanovich, Djokovic, Pavlochenkova, and Rublev versus Party and Barty and Piers. Do you think they just call themselves Team Party? Barty and Piers party or either that or beers. Yeah. Are you team beers or you team party? I'm about to send out that tweet and I'm going to have it as a poll. Your thoughts on this mixed doubles. I mean, mixed is always super fun, especially the Olympics when, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great mix of, Oh, this is fun, but man, this is really serious too. Right. Because they, everybody wants that medal. Um, Barty and Piers match against soccer and Setsipas was a phenomenal match from start to finish. Barty and Piers barely got him in that 10 pointer. And I was rooting for Greece there. I'm not going to lie. Uh, seeing the two young guns go at it. Soccer and Setsipas really fun to watch individually. So together, naturally very fun as well. I, I, I mean, in terms of the doubles, right, you look at a team like Djokovic and Spijanovic, and it's just like, okay, this is not the best doubles team at all. But, like, Djokovic wins. Like, he just wins matches at this point. Um, and so you got to think that Djokovic... <sighs> yeah, unfortunately, give me Djokovic to take gold. I just... I mean, he won the last, they won their last round one and two in doubles. Like... They're just they're not they're not giving up any free games. They're winning points just pretty much at will. I mean, I think Djokovic is just gonna be able to take over the court, direct how pretty much every point is played that he gets a racket on. He's gonna be able to dictate and do what he wants from the baseline, hit his targets. I hate to say it because it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like that true doubles style, but I think Djokovic will just find a way to win. I'm going to go with Team Beers, which I think is what we have to call them yeah. moving forward. Um, and by the way, the tweet has been sent. Um, yeah, uh, I just think that's a lot of doubles prowess. And yeah, they're definitely Ashley, better doubles players, no doubt. Yeah, and I and I just think Ashley Barty's comfort level at the net and that how aggressive that team will be. That's the one team where you're like, yep, they're they're that. If you're going to play Novak Djokovic, you got to be super aggressive. Got to get to the net. Got to you know just ignore the fact that it's him. And I think that team is the best position to do that to I, not change their strategy given it's Djokovic. True. I will say this though. Um, I mean, they better volley away from. Djokovic at every point because if you're telling me my I, look if you're telling me I'm looking at Djokovic having to pass Ash Barty I hate to tell you Barty you're getting passed um 
if Djokovic <laughs> even gets somewhat of a clean look at that ball. So <laughs> that's, that's the only one where it's a little tough to say because if you have people just cracking the net, volleying to Novak Djokovic at the baseline, like you're probably in a lot of trouble. He can do with a million things with that ball and can probably beat you with about 99% of them. So that's where it's a little tough there. I think Djokovic can just kind of control things. And, and you know, ultimately, nobody's going to want to stay back and rally with him from the baseline. So pretty much your option is to move in and then volley to his partner so that Djokovic can't even touch the ball. But we'll see. If, if the ball's coming to Novak Djokovic, the other team's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. No, again, more than anything else, I mean, the players in the mix. You've got Pavlichenkova, Rublev, Vesnina, Karatsev, Stojanovic, Djokovic, Barty, Pierre. Should be a fun ending to these 2020 Summer Olympic Games in tennis. But, of course, as you mentioned, I do have one final topic for you. It will be a quick one, I promise. I've already mentioned the fact. Kasper Ruud this week going to try and join an elite group of players uh, over this past decade. There are only three guys who have won tournaments over the course of three consecutive weeks on the ATP calendar since the 2011 season. It was Andy Murray in 2016. Of course, he ends that year as the number one player in the world. 2011, Federer does it. Murray does it. Djokovic does it twice in the course of the same season. Of course, now Kasper Ruud looking to join that company as he has won titles the past two weeks in Bastad and Gestad, and now he's looking to do it in Kitzbühel. Uh, he was down early in his match today against Mikhail Emer, but ends up coming back for a 3-6-7-6-6-1 victory. He's got Arthur Rinderneck tomorrow. I believe the they would, winner of that will face the winner of Altmaier and Pedro Martinez-Portero in the final. So certainly on paper, Kasparud the favorite to bring home another title. Of course, he has been the beneficiary. I think he's played, you know, uh, zero top 50 opponents in his run to each of these titles. But, you know, certainly you look for him now over his uh, last 52 weeks. He's 44-17 and overall, 35-9 and on clay courts. He's won multiple titles on the surface, made multiple semifinals at the Masters level. No second weeks at either of the two French Opens, but we know he's elite on clay courts still. I don't care the level of competition to win, be the best player three weeks in a row to win 12 consecutive matches. Your thoughts on Kasparud? I mean, just again, what this it is he elite? Like, what, what do we make of it? Well, I, I think it's unfair to say that it's the same as what like a Djokovic has done at that highest Yeah, there's where 500 and Masters level. You're right. And by the way, Nadal has won three consecutive events during this stretch. It just wasn't over the course of three consecutive weeks. Yeah. And, and so I think it's difficult, too, because Kasper Ruud's a guy who's racking up all of these points. He's sneakily sneak, uh, getting toward the top 10, right? Like, And so that's what's difficult is that he keeps racking up all these titles, getting there, getting there, getting there. And then, like you mentioned, look at who he's playing. Right. And so, again, that's no disrespect to those draw and it's no it's no easy feat to go in there and win a tournament anywhere on the ATP tour. But especially when you're trying to put him in that elite category and say, hey, we're pushing to that echelon of top 10 or top 15 or close. Like that's where it becomes a little problematic for me. And again, still very impressive. But like at this point, the expectation is if you're playing all these events on your preferred surface at this lower level where a lot of other you know top elite players aren't. Yeah, you better be winning. Yeah, it's. True, but he is. Like, again, to your point, Right, so I to me, he's, he's meeting that expectation, but it's not necessarily something that's, like, insanely spectacular because, yeah, it's impressive, no doubt about it, but, again, given his ranking and his standing, yeah, he should be winning it, all of those matches, yeah. you know? 
even in this third consecutive week, like again, to win 12 matches over the course of 21 days, that's just so much tennis. And he's doing it yeah, across it's not three easy. different certainly but yeah. i mean what he's i don't even know what he's in in live rankings he might have jumped up even more but he was like 14 the last time i saw so you know a guy of this caliber is not playing anyone near him in the rankings at this point unless i'm wrong i mean where where's mikhail yemmer is he no so he's like fringes of the 50? top 100 but to to your point Close. rude right now th- uh, i'd say he, i think he's right now hold on i'll look this up mikhail yemmer uh currently right now in the live so, rankings yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fringes, yeah, of the top 100. Yeah. Right now, Kasparud's 13. He's 9 yeah. in the ATP race. Exactly. <laughs> he was one of the guys who you're kind of like, why not play the Olympics? You'd get in with your ranking, and you're the best in your country and what it means to represent your country. But He's like, I well, suppose... it's not on clay, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. And it's also kind of for him, it's like, I can play it in the future, but he's now put himself in a position to make the top 10, Jamie, because he doesn't have a lot of hardcore points to defend down the home stretch. And it's like, I think we all agree Casper Ruud is better than his career record on hard courts. And you look for him overall 68 and 58 in his career on hard courts, 16 and 26 at the ATP level. But he made the fourth round of this year's Australian Open. You feel like. Round of 16s at Rogers Cup in Cincinnati and, you know, round of 32, round of 16 at the U.S. Open. If he can get those points under his belt, he's probably a top 10 player and, like, he can legitimately be that eighth guy at the year-end finals because we're probably not going to get a Dominic team. And I think our first seven are locked. You've got Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, uh, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Berrettini, Rublev. Rude can be number eight. And I suppose with retro, uh, with hindsight, knowing that he's now won two events and made the semifinals of a third, him electing not to play the Olympics with what is at stake for him now later in the year, what's open to him, I got to I gotta say it. I was wrong. Like, tip your hat. Great decision to Casper Ruud, right, with that context? Yeah, I, I mean, again— to me, if you're top 15 in the world, then you, like, you should be playing Olympics instead of a lower-level play tournament that you should be able to run through. Like I, Again, it's it's an odd thing. I can't pretend that I've ever been in any sort of similar situation, so we don't need to you know, speculate on that. And, <laughs> really, and Jills? To, Are you sure? You know, well, cast judgment there. Um, <laughs> but look, it's – I don't know. It's tough. It, it's just seeing that name, and it's like, yeah, if Casper Ruud shows up and is in the race – um to those tour finals shows up on an indoor hardcore it's like eh, okay <laughs> you know um <laughs> like are are you really here right now like you know this isn't clay bud like so it's it's just it's tough but i mean yeah look he's winning tournaments and he's racking up points right so from that standpoint you can't really fault him because he's putting himself in the situation uh, you know he's giving himself the opportunity to have the highest ranking that he can so again it's hard to fault him in terms of when, when you look at the situation like that i would say one of 13 guys right now to be top 25 in both hold. Excuse me, one of nine guys, 13 on the women's side, one of nine guys to be top 25 in both hold and break percentage. Now, again, a lot of that's come on clay courts, but he's really, he, you got to put him on your list of players to watch this summer because he's got the opportunity to crack that top 10. He has put himself in that position. So, certainly an exciting time to be a Casper Rude fan. Uh, are we going with a Rude Awakening or are we going with Casper the Friendly Rude? Like, what, what, what have we decided on a nickname? Well, we've said Rude, we've, we've used the term Rude Awakening a ton, and yeah. it's, it's, 
probably played out. I mean, it's 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 one of those that's like, ah, it's good, but it's also just so obvious. Um, Should we call him Why You Gotta Be So Rude? Either that or like Rude Boy. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's I'm options. Here. Call me Rude Boy. Oh, that yeah, exactly. You should have said that. That was really good. That see, this is why you're do everything. That's good yeah. editing right there on the fly. There, Jamie. Yeah. Um, it's just what I bring to yeah. the table. Yeah. <laughs> um yes i agree um no again with all that said olympics casper rude that those are your two i would say biggest storylines right now across the tennis world any final thoughts jamie as we head into this weekend i mean is joke i think that it's just the big question of uh, we hate to see it where everything's just dominated by some big three narrative but at this point Truly, the question is, all right, can the Golden Slam for Novak Djokovic stay alive? I, that's that's it. Yeah. Like, Who that, that's fired? the focus. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it's – yeah, it's just – it's ridiculous. He's 34. Like, I, every time I, I think about it, I just – Okay, so 34 isn't as old in this day and age as it was. Let's be clear. And not, not to say that it's not impressive physically – but with how well he keeps himself in shape and all of the regimen that every player on the tour has, 34 is not necessarily like, oh, man, it's over. Because he still has years left on his career. I agree with you, but to be 34 years old, to play this flawlessly through the biggest seven weeks of the, yes, of the, the season and not have yeah. one off day. Yeah, that's that's what I'm True. saying, where it's like True. to not even have a single off day. Like not one, like when we look through this run this season, sorry. Sinego, remember when he lost to Senego two and one Yeah, like Vienna. is that the one? <laughs> is that like it? Like that's I don't like, know. Okay, it was pretty life. bad. He was just like, ah, I'm done. He's like, I'm not trying. Yeah, he's like, I'm world number one end of the year. This does not matter to me, but – like, you think about his run. Again, the Fritz match in Australia. He played bad, and, like, he stole that one. But, like, was Fritz yeah. ever – did you – when you watched that match, did you ever think Taylor Fritz was going to win? I know it was a while ago, but I think we would both agree the answer to that question is no. Right. Yeah, exactly. And even – I mean, look, he puts himself in situ- – again, we don't need to have this Djokovic talk because, God, it kills me every time. He puts himself in these weird situations, <laughs> and he's like, all right, here we go. Like, Musetti, like, at the French, like, was – yeah, down two sets, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to try. And then Musetti, not because of any injury, just because he's like, yeah, I wasn't going to be able to win. So that's, you know, promising for the future of the game there. But, like, look, it is it is what it is. This guy is super dominant. So, again, I think that's why it's just the the true narrative and the focus is all eyes on Djokovic at this point. says, hey, can you keep this alive? Can you accomplish this incredible, extraordinary feat? Um and in the form he's in, I, I think you'd have to say yes because he's gonna—he's the favorite to close this out, and he's certainly going to be the favorite for the U.S. Open unless there's anything crazy and unforeseen that's that's uh, that's coming our way. So it's interesting at this point, but again, everybody's watching. Do you just retire after that point? Like I know how he's at the top, and it's like, yeah, I probably got five more slams in me, but like, no, I just. Yeah, he's not. I know. He's not. It was, I mean, no. it would be it would be a sick sort of mic drop, like into the U.S. Open, holding the trophy, said, "Boys, this is it." But no, it's yeah. not <laughs> he's like, "You're not. You can't beat me." So this isn't fun anymore. Um, no, yeah, I, I just what he's up to is remarkable. I agree. It is the story that we have done more talking about Djokovic over the past two months on this podcast than we did in the first four years of the podcast and that's a testament to his level of playing, just how amazing it continues to be. But again, oh. That's my last bonus topic. Sorry, last thing. I said I was going to save one final topic for you post Casparud, and I swear this is going to be a quick one, Jamie. 
Big week this week at Crack Rackets HQ. Dalton Thieneman, number three in the Indy Tennis League, taking on a top-ranked but 2008 Sharapova-shouldered Alex Gruskin. Now, you've seen both of us play a little bit, I think only the one time, but you know both of us. You know what we're both capable of athletically, spiritually, competitively. Your take on Gruskin-Dalton, part one, who you got? I mean, if you lose, give us the than, keys to the match. Look, if you if you lose more than like three games, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be pretty disappointed. Um, like, yeah, as I don't I don't think I need to say much more than that. If yep, anyone, yep, for the record, I have the same mindset. It's it's body 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 kill kill kill. Um, that that's what we're going for. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Even if I have to hit underhand serve. When are you playing? Oh, you know, whatever Westoff's free, because I said I'm not playing you without a line judge, like under any <laughs> circumstance. <laughs> yeah, um, Dalton's cheating, no doubt. Yeah, he's he's, he's using, hooking you. We're gonna be using. Ah, uh, I almost threw a sponsor under the bus. We're gonna be using X balls. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna be using those and like nice. Yeah, and it's just gonna suck. Um. But I'm going to kick his ass, and it's going to be delightful. Um, but, yeah, with all of that said, of course, again, we do we stream it? We Should we stream it? Does anyone want to see that? I don't think anyone wants to see that. I Look, I hate I hate, to, I hate to knock you down a peg, but I don't think anybody wants to see that. No, there, there are two people who would like to see it, and they're both last-named Gruskin, and they would stream it virtually. Uh, and my mom and dad would both be watching. But, no, again— that, not a big storyline. Olympics, Casper, your storylines. Of course, we've covered all the day-to-day day action on the Mini Break Podcast. If you've missed any of them, you can find all of our content on the website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we're at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out, as well, to our friends over at Turn of Tennis. Remember, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707 of course a shout out to our friends at manscaped as well 20 percent off in free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code new balls please with all that said for our wonderful co-host james foster mcdonald our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at turna and manscaped and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin jamie what do we tell the people Hey, great shot. I love it. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.